Intramuros by Rebecca Springer, Chapter 12. After we had left my parents and friends on our return from our welcome to my sister, my brother hastened away upon some mission, and I walked on alone toward the sacred lake. I felt the need of a rest in its soothing waters after the exciting scenes through which I had passed. I had hitherto visited the lake in the early morning hours. It was now something past noontide of the heavenly day, and but few persons lingered on the shore. The boats that sped, sped across its calm surface seemed to be filled with, rather with those intent upon some duty than simply pleasure seekers. I walked slowly down into the water and soon found, found myself floating as at former times in mid-current. The wonderful prismatic rays that in the early morning were such a marvel now blended into a golden glory with different shades of rose and purple flashing their splendor. To me, it seemed even more beautiful than the rainbow tints, just as the mature joys of our earthly life cast into shadow somewhat the more evanescent pleasures of youth. I could but wonder what its evening glories would be and resolved to come at some glowing twilight and see if they would not remind me of the calm hours of life's closing day. I heard the chimes from the silver bell of the great city ringing an anthem as I lay and its notes seemed to chant clearly, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the waters took up the song, and a thousand waves about me responded, Holy, holy, holy. The notes seemed to vibrate, if I may use the expression, upon the waves, producing a wondrously harmonious effect. The front row in the battalion of advancing waves softly chanted, Holy, as they passed onward. Immediately, the second roll of waves took up the word that the first seemed to have dropped as it echoed the second, holy, in the divine chorus. Then it, too, passed onward to take up the second note as the third advancing column caught the first. And so it passed and echoed from wave to wave until it seemed millions of tiny waves about me had taken up and were bearing their part in this grand crescendo this wonderful anthem. Language fails me. I cannot hope to convey to others this experience as it came to me. It was grand, wonderful, overpowering. I lay and listened until my whole being was filled with the divine melody, and I seemed to be a part of the great chorus. Then I, too, lifted up my voice and joined with full heart in the thrilling song of praise. I found that, contrary to my usual custom, I floated rapidly away from the shore whence I had entered the water, and after a time was conscious that I was approaching a portion of the lake shore I had never yet visited. Refreshed and invigorated, I ascended the sloping banks to find myself in the midst of a lovely suburban village, similar to the one where our own home was situated. There was some difference in the architecture or construction of the houses, though they were no less beautiful than others I had seen. Many were constructed of polished woods and somewhat resembled the finest of the chalets one sees 
in Switzerland, though far surpassing them in all that gives pleasure to the artistic eye. As I wandered on, feasting my eyes upon the lovely views about me, I was particularly pleased by the appearance of an unusually attractive house. Its broad verandas almost overhung the waters of the lake. The wide, low steps running on one side of the house, quite to the water's edge. Several graceful swans were leisurely drifting about with a current, and a bird similar to our southern mockingbird, but with softer voice, was singing and swinging in the low branches overhead. There were many larger and more imposing villas near, but none possessed for me the charm of this sweet home. Beneath one of the large flowering trees close by this cottage home, I saw a woman sitting, weaving with her delicate hands, apparently without shuttle or needle, a snow-white gossamer-like fabric that fell in a soft fleecing heat at her side as the work progressed. She was so very small in stature that at first glance, I suppose she was a child, but a closer scrutiny showed her to be a mature woman though with a glow of youth still upon her smooth cheek. Something familiar in her gestures, rather than her appearance, caused me to feel that it was not the first time we had met. And growing accustomed now to the delightful surprises that met me everywhere in this world of rare delights, I drew near to accost her when, before I could speak, she looked up and the doubt was gone. Maggie! Mrs. Sprague, dear, we cried simultaneously, as dropping her work from her hands, she stepped quickly up to greet me. Our greeting was warm and fervent, and her sweet face glowed with a welcome that reminded me of the happy days when we'd met in the years gone by, by the shore of that other beautiful lake in the world of our earth life. Now I know why I came this way today, to find you, dear, I said, as we sat side by side, talking as we never had talked on earth, for the sweet shyness of her mortal life had melted away in the balmy air of heaven. What is this lovely fabric you are weaving? I presently asked, lifting the silky fleecy web in my fingers as I spoke. Some draperies for Nellie's room, she said. You know, we two have lived alone together so much I thought it would seem more like home to her, to us both, if we did the same here. So this cottage is our own special home, just a step from Marie's, pointing to an imposing home a few yards distant. And I am fitting it up as daintily as I can, especially her room. Oh, let me help you, Maggie dear, I said. It would be such a pleasure to me. She hesitated an instant with something of the old-time shyness, then said, That is so like you, dear Mrs. Sprague. I have set my heart on doing Nellie's room entirely myself. There is no hurry about it, you know. But if you really would enjoy it, I shall love to have you help me in another, in the other rooms. And will you teach me how to weave these delicate hangings? Yes, indeed. Shall I give you your first lesson now? Lifting the dainty thread, she showed me how to toss and wind it through my fingers till it fell away in shining folds. It was very light and fascinating work. 
and I soon was weaving it almost as rapidly, rapidly as she did. Now I can help Carol, was my happy thought as I saw the shimmering fabric grow beneath my hands. Tomorrow I will go and show him how beautifully we can drape the doors and windows. So in heaven, our first thought ever is to give pleasure to others. You are an apt scholar, said Maggie, laughing happily. And what a charming hour you have given me. What a charming hour you have given me, my dear, I answered. When we parted, it was with the understanding that every little while I was to repeat the visit. When I urged her likewise to come to me, the old time shyness again appeared as she said, oh, they are all strangers to me and here we shall be entirely alone. You come to me. So I yielded, as in heaven we never seek to gain reluctant consent for any pleasure, however dear, and many were the happy hours spent with her in the cottage by the lake.